Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. The issue of a proposal to create sleeping cabins was before Port Hope Council recently. The gallery was packed as residents wanted to be heard. The meeting erupted into chaos when the public learned that the matter was being put off. Some members of the public gallery started yelling at councillors. Decorum broke down as politicians and citizens argued. The mayor stepped in and moved the public be allowed to speak right away rather than having to wait until the designated time for public input. Calm was restored and people began to air their concerns. Councillor Les Andrews is going to talk about this incident. Council meetings are governed by a series of bylaws. These procedural bylaws lay out the rules for a long grocery list of ways meetings are controlled. It covers everything from the time council meets to public question periods. The big question is, will it make Port Hope Council more democratic? I'm delighted to have with me today Port Hope Councillor Les Andrews. Welcome back to Consider This Northumberland. Procedural bylaws sound very boring to most people. Why is it important to the public to review and change them? Well, I, I guess the reason, it, it's twofold. One, one is to accommodate the, the schedule of uh, the councillors and the mayor. And... It's really their meeting, and they've got to be available. They've got to uh, uh, be ready. So uh, the timing is 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 important. Um, <clears throat> we don't receive the um, actual agenda until Friday afternoon, typically. So we have Saturday, Sunday, and Monday um, to to review the agenda. Monday specifically to ask questions of staff so that uh, a lot of the, uh, the the questions we'd normally ask are answered for us and we're not taking up extra time in the council meeting. So from a council point of view, that uh, it's important that um, uh, the timing is, is arranged to accommodate our schedules. But on the other hand, uh, we want public uh, participation and input and transparency and inclusivity and all all those uh, things uh, are very important. So we got to be able to accommodate um, uh, the viewers and and the attendees. Um, so timing is is important. And the day of the week, uh, nobody's going to want to meet on a Friday. Uh, quite frankly, and Mondays a little bit. Uh, too soon off the weekend. So Tuesday, Wednesday seems to be the favorite times. One of the goals of the review was to look at improving the experience for everyone who attends. What changes were made in this regard? Well, um, <laughs> I won't insert my personal opinions here yet, 
But the the change was that we typically meet. Um, council starts at six thirty on a Tuesday. Uh, council usually takes no more than forty five minutes, unless there's something very very contentious. And then we take a small break and then go right into the committee of the whole, where <clears throat> most of the reports of staff are uh, uh, presented, and we get to ask questions, and then we can um, get into. Once our questions are answered, the press can ask questions and the audience can ask questions. And that's usually the, the longer. And depending on how many delegations we have, uh, we, we allow about three delegations, a maximum of three delegations of 10 minutes each. Um, so between that and then the discussion of all the, depending on what's on the agenda, uh, we could go till nine, 10 o'clock at night. What are your thoughts about the staff recommendations in the report regarding this aspect of the changes to the bylaw? Well, the first thing is the the times that they were suggested um, based on uh, what they they say was a a, a survey of um, constituents, and the survey um, indicated that forty four percent. Uh, of the respondents just said, leave it as is. 6.30 start time Tuesdays. Um, council followed by committee of the whole. 18, or I'm sorry, 26% said they, they really had no preference. 10%, uh, a mix of both doing it during the day and in the evening, they were kind of uncommitted. Only 16% preferred between um, nine and five. And um, some people wouldn't mind an earlier start time, um, you know, maybe a, a five or five thirty start time. So the recommendation brought back to us by staff was that we we have a, uh, a council meeting start at um, six on a Tuesday, and a committee of a whole starting at three. Um, so. The bulk of the interesting things that I, I in my opinion, are accomplished at uh, Committee of the Whole, and to start at three o'clock um, precludes a lot of working people from being in attendance. So the uh, we had our special council meeting on October thirtieth, and full council was there, and we debated and we argued and controlled each other, and we decided that. Well, we would go with a five o'clock start um, if it would just make it a uh, a shorter evening overall for um, for the for the staff and or for the constituents for those that could be there. So, well, well, let's talk about that a little bit more because you know timings everything. It, you know, I, the times that have been suggested, especially for working people who need to come home, feed the kids. And then get to a meeting. Are you engaging only people who are not working or don't have kids? Is that something that that concerns you or concerns council? Oh, it really concerns. Uh, quite frankly, really concerns me because uh, the whole point of this exercise of having public meetings is that you have as much of the public engaged in the meeting, either on YouTube or um, um, video or in person, as possible. And uh, if you're eliminating all the 
uh, nine to five workers and the moms that are having to pick up their kids from school and and get them all organized um, and, and be out the door by five o'clock. That's that's nigh on impossible. And we we heard a lot of that reaction at our our meeting on Tuesday when we brought this uh, this issue forward. So um, I. I, I, I don't see any reason why we would change from the 6.30 time frame um, at all. Um, and certainly the three o'clock start time is ridiculous. In the report, it outlines the impact on staff having to extend their workday. It also states that there may be a safety risk, hazard of driving in the winter. How do you see this, especially in light of the fact that if you go back not that long ago, for decades, council meetings were at 7 p.m. Yeah. And so it just, you know, it's the nature of the job. I mean, we'd never want anybody that, in attendance that had, you know, like I don't expect anybody to to stay for a meeting, be it staff or not, that have distance to go. And there's a snowstorm. Go. You know, like, you know, your life's more important than anything we could possibly be discussing at a uh, committee of a whole or council meeting. So yeah, there is no restrictions that way. And, you know, um, with the technology of, uh, that, that is uh, available to us, we, we've got to start considering having um, Zoom meetings where staff can be uh, anywhere or the council can be anywhere. We don't have to always be at town hall. Is that on the table? Is that a part of the serious it discussions? Is. I think we're, I haven't seen the uh, the new budget, but I understand that there are elements of uh, upgrading our technology in the budget, whether we can afford it this time around or not, I don't know. The suggestion of having council and the committee of the whole meetings on the same night, um, I'd like to get your thoughts on that because Normally, Committee of the Whole is when all sorts of things come forward. As you were describing earlier, it's a time of great discussion, of public input, delegations, all this kind of stuff is going on. Council, that's the more formal. The regular meeting is more formal. You're approving things and, and, and trying to get uh, things passed. I guess that's the best way to describe it. And I'd just like to get your thoughts on having these things put together doesn't give time for sober second thought. Committee of the whole, you get that discussion, you get to go back, think about it. People give more input if things are spaced out. What's the advantage then in having these two things put together or is there? Well, there is because the order of the uh, of business is council first, committee of the whole second. So anything new you're discussing is at the committee of the whole. And then you have two weeks to reconsider your position, get public input before it comes up to the council meeting where things are, as you say, approved, where the decision is finally made. I like it. I mean, I've been dealing with it since 2014, and I know nothing else. So I'm, I'm very comfortable with the process. One of the recommendations is to keep the hybrid meeting. In other words, people can come to the town hall or they can watch online. Why is it important to do both? The the it's the amount of uh, input, the the availability of being able to have your voice said, or or, or listened to, either 
in in a in a video sense or in person. How are your feelings about the hybrid? Especially, is it as good as in having people in person in the in the chamber, or uh, is it as effective in terms of the ability to engage the public? Well, let's let's. I, I would rather play poker face to face with you than uh, uh, have you on Zoom playing poker. So, you know, you can have body language. You know, there are people that won't say anything, but you you can sense what they're they're feeling just by the way they're moving in their chairs or or not moving in their chairs. You know, they're either asleep or or they're really engaged. Um, uh, they you can tell by the expressions whether they're. Uh, something we say irks them or doesn't irk them, um, and it's hard, a little harder to do that on, on video. What about the ability, though, to interact online? Right now, you can only watch. Is there any plan to allow interactivity to have people be able to ask questions or to be able to respond to people? Uh, again, to engage the public via uh, uh, streaming. Yes, that and and that that. That is the, the advantage of video or, or streaming is that if you can get that engagement, you're one on one, uh, you don't have to, uh, um, you know, there, there won't be any sidebar uh, comments being made from the audience um, because you really isolated the person that you're talking to. And you can get the full impact of talking to that person one on one as opposed to all the chatter and the noise in the background or the comments in the background. Did you watch our last meeting? I did. Yeah, I did. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. For those who, who haven't, uh, there was a lot of interaction between the, the public gallery and the council as the meeting was unfolded. And, and that's yeah, what was, uh, Les is, is referring to. It was to. a wholesome, spiky meeting. <laughs> we'll talk a bit about more in a moment. There is a proposal to have a monthly meeting for statutory public meetings only. Do you what do you think about that proposal, and is it something that council should adopt? We we we've plugged in uh, on a monthly basis at least one special council meeting a month, and whether we need it, if we need it, we we use it. If we don't, we don't. Uh, if we need more, um, which I suspect we're going to have to uh, when it comes to the budget, uh, we're not going to wrap her up in a day and a half like we have in years past. Uh, I think it's going to be an extended period of time and many meetings that are going to be needed. So I, I, I'm a, a supporter of, yes, we, we should have um, provisions for these special council meetings. Question period is a critical time when the public and council get to talk to each other directly. Now, staff are recommending question period be removed and replaced with deputations. Another recommendation is that staff report says the question period should be kept. What are your thoughts about that? Well, the, at first I had to uh, come to terms with the deputations. And because deputations will be made to council, the deputations theoretically will be based on the cow meeting the week or two weeks prior. So it's a better way of uh, uh, us finding out the true feelings of the public um, before we actually make a decision in council. So from that point of view, it's, it's pretty good. 
the way we're doing it now, where we have committee of the whole and then question period, and then a two week gap to the next council meeting, we kind of forget and the, the, the impact of what people are saying may get lost in that two week period. So there's pros and cons to both. But would I like you, the deputation idea. So you would you just have deputations or would you keep a question period as well? I think we should do both. <laughs> you know, we're there, um, especially if we go to one council and one committee of the whole meeting a month is what we decided on uh, uh, our, our special council meeting. But um, that's being thrown up in the air because of our meeting on Tuesday where uh, some of the council members said, oh, let's let's just uh, go back and adopt what was presented by staff, which, you know, here we are, we, we've made a decision um, and uh, now we're backtracking and I and I I'm not very happy about that. Let's talk more about what happened uh, at this recent meeting. There was a sleeping cabin proposal that went before council and um, the recommendation in the report to council was to wait until November 21st meeting to uh, have a fulsome discussion and uh, a debate. Now, there were accusations during the meeting, uh, which was uh, a little bit raucous. I, I don't think that's unfair, but uh, accusations of people's time being wasted, uh, people being shut out. There was uh uh, an argument given back by the deputy mayor saying uh, it was a procedural argument saying, look, this is the system. This is how we do it. Um, and there was offers of, you know, come do the question period. Finally, the mayor intervened and moved forward, moved forward the question period so that it could be right at that moment, which is not what is usually done. But are the proposals really addressing the concerns about the ability of citizens to interact with council in a meaningful way? Well, notice the motions. Uh, every notice of motion that I've ever been involved with up until last Tuesday, quite clear that uh, we introduced the subject. It gives two weeks for the public to talk to the councillors, to weigh in on this notice and then when we get to the next meeting we discuss it we discuss the motion what we what happened this time was whoever put it out there say the procedure is that it's introduced and we wait two weeks but there is a possibility that council could overturn that and bring that discussion forth that night well so if you're Mr. Public out there or Mrs. Public out there, you say, well, what the heck's going on? You know, like, are we going to discuss it tonight or are we not? So that's why a lot of people came to town hall because they were confused. Typically, we, you know, like uh, the statement should have been, we will not be discussing it tonight. It will be on the 21st. Save your ammo for that date. But we left it open-ended in our communication. Somehow the communication got out there on social media that um, it could be either or. And uh, so when, uh, when, when the whatever hit the fan, um, it was up to the, the people that had uh, brought forward this notice of motion to handle 
that legitimate complaint that was coming from the audience. Like, what's going on? Let's explore that a little bit more, because do citizens really understand the process? And is that really at the heart of what you're talking about when we're talking about citizen engagement? I mean, it's... You know, when you were watching the deputy mayor uh, at that meeting, you know, going through the process because he was chairing the meeting and he's trying to explain things away. Do you really feel that's a really a good response when people are emotionally charged? This is an important issue. People want to have their voices heard. They've taken time, as we were talking about before, you know, get home, get the kids fed, you know, get down to the meeting. Is that really the way to do it? Or how do we deal with this issue of citizens understanding the process so they can participate fully. Well, first of all, we make a hard decision and say, okay, this will be discussed on this date. Okay, then there's no question. So then you don't have a whole bunch of people that have given up their time and and probably missed dinner and are a little hangry and um, uh, at the meeting. And then you tell them, oh, no, we're not going to discuss it today. Um, so I think the mayor did a brilliant job of saying, Forget the process. We, we, we can do a uh, call an audible, audible here and we will bring it up. Uh, first of all, we'll bring it up in the agenda um, so we don't have to sit for the residents don't have to sit for an hour to, to go through things that perhaps are not there to listen to. So we'll move it up in the agenda and then we'll have question period. And that was the correct thing to do. I mean, yeah, that seemed to satisfy everybody. And I thought it was a brilliant move on the mayor's part. Another thing that you mentioned in your answer was about social media and public engagement uh, is such a key in, uh, element along with communication. But how do you undertake any kind of public consultation in the face of social media? I mean, no matter how you organize council and citizen interactions, everyday people are coming in with preconceived ideas, right or wrong. So how do you think council solves this so that you can have a reasonable, well-informed discussion about issues that are so important? Well, it only takes one person to, uh, people, people thrive on controversy. So if they're more prone to listen to um, uh, a bold statement, be it right or wrong, than to listen to uh, this is procedural um, fact. Um, it's just nature of people. They they like controversy, and and so it doesn't take very much to get a, a lot of bad information out there. And um, I, earlier uh, this year, we had an occasion where um, a, a very vocal member stood up and said, "Well, you know, uh, we were supposed to be discussing that." And he said, "Well, if you would read the official agenda, you know, it wasn't on the agenda." So if you choose to believe in social media and um, and and not the facts that we put out, then it's on you, mister, to, uh, it, you, you know, you're here, you're wasting your time. So we put out, you know, I think we're pretty specific whether we do enough of it. It's a little harder now because uh, now the newspapers disappeared. Uh, it's taking um, one method of communication away from us. So, you know, we're we're kind of it's either radio or on social media that a lot of people get their information. Because of the role of social media, 
Does it not turn the council chamber into a sort of a crucible for conflict, no matter what procedures are in place? It can, certainly can. Yeah, how do you, you know, like if you've got an opinion um, and you're you're in, in the council chambers and you're, you're at the mic expressing this opinion in form of a question, um, our chances of swaying you away are not that great. You know, you've got a preconceived opinion and you're going to stick to it come hell or high water. And, you know, there's not much we can do about that. Another aspect of the procedure was to look at the deputy mayor's position that currently is rotated amongst elected councillors. The staff is recommending that this continue. Why is not electing someone to this position every four years a good idea? Why do you? Why is it good to stay with the rotation rather than doing like other municipalities, some other municipalities do, and uh, elect somebody to that position for a four-year term? And a lot of municipalities do that, and um, that is probably uh, a good way to do it. Um, the way we Port Hope had done it in the past is they appoint the deputy mayor. So the deputy mayor does not, or the, the council does not have to run as it for the deputy mayor position. And uh, so that that is the the issue with what we were doing is that it was an appointment and, and some of the councillors' noses got out of joint. Well, why was I chosen? And um, uh, so they did, the mayor uh, or the council, uh, the majority of council voted to... Uh, have a rotating basis and two of us uh counselor uh, chris collins and myself said no thanks i don't want to be a, a one-year deputy mayor because i don't think in my opinion i don't think you could accomplish very much in that one-year period um yeah it, everybody said well you know all you're doing is uh at, at you know chairing meetings when the mayor is not there or going to meetings on the mayor's behalf and it's a little bit more than that you know you're 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 there to provide leadership and to support or not support the mayor you're there to uh, advise the mayor um and uh so it's it's not just a token position and uh you know the deputy mayor should could be paying a very very large leadership position and not furthering their own agenda you know you're there, we're there to support the municipality, no matter what we think. In the report, it appears staff wanted to introduce a number of policies regarding public participation. And we've already talked a bit about the idea of having deputations, but there's also a proposal to introduce a petitions policy. Why is that necessary? Uh, I, I, you know, Rob, I really can't comment on that. Um, I don't see it as being necessary. We're all big boys and girls. I mean, at the end of the day, let's sit across from each other and discuss it. And without having the formality of, uh, you know, it's almost akin to uh, a lawyer serving you um, divorce people. I mean, <laughs> hey, how did we get to this stage? I mean, uh, we could have had a lot of chats before we got to uh, uh, a process server serving you. 
So that that's the way I feel about petitions. I mean, I don't know if they're necessary at, at this stage, unless under very dire circumstances. There is an indication in the report that the creation of town hall meetings be considered. Where do you stand on this? Oh, town hall is wonderful. You know, I think we should have them every quarter or every or at least uh, every twice a year and uh, location to be determined. To be determined. I mean, um, to sometimes, uh, well, on Tuesday night, we could hardly accommodate people that wanted to be in attendance. They were out in the hallway. Couldn't see them. And we're in violation of fire regulations. Thank God we had the uh, director of protective services there to, to wave the magic wand and, uh, and 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 allow it. But you know we can we can have we can have them up uh, at Canton. We can have them in a town park. We can have them in Dreamers Cafe or whatever venue suits the Beamish. <laughs> How many town hall meetings would you commit to? What do you think is the ideal number that you're prepared to go on the record and say, I want to see this many town halls in a year so that people can talk to us about what's going on? At least two. At least two. And uh, as required from there. But I, I think two would uh, probably satisfy most of the requirement. And make it interesting, you know, don't just stand, you know, like I'm a great believer in give the people the free reads, let them read about or not read about what, what's on the agenda, and then speak to it. Don't rehash what we've already given them to read. Because I've seen presentations like that. I want to take a gun and shoot myself. Municipal councils face a growing number of issues and responsibilities. What was once a fairly straightforward job, like looking after clean drinking water and sidewalks and fixing potholes, has now turned into dealing with climate change, homelessness, mental health, the opioid crisis, housing affordability. And as you well know, the list goes on and on. And all those things you mentioned, you know what? We don't have very much say in at all. I mean... Um, you know, the county is supposed to be supportive of uh, a lot of those initiatives. Um, the the healthcare system should be part of that. The uh, and especially when it comes to uh, health related uh, mental health related matters. I mean, but but with all due respect, but with all with all due respect, they do lend in your as as you just experienced in this recent meeting. Sleeping cabins is part of housing, which is part of a municipal responsibility. And whether you like it or not, it's it's on your doorstep. So my question to you is, in, how do these changes help you govern in the face, the changes being those in the procedural bylaw, help you govern in the face of the complexity of the decisions you need to make? Pretty tough. I mean, if we were to build one house, let's say a moderately priced five or six hundred thousand dollar house that one house alone would raise your tax bill by about two three percent we don't have the money we we, uh, we 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 are sort of hands tied in, in tackling homes and uh, affordable homes i mean look at toronto i mean they're talking what, 35 billion dollars to build 65,000 homes? Where are they gonna get the money from? They're a billion dollar deficit right now. 
in Donald and, and the mayor's calling for town hall and public meetings to how do you think we should um, get money out of you to cover this billion dollar shortfall? That's, I mean, we, we our budget uh, for the town is about $23 million. And we have climbing infrastructure costs. Um, we we went out and had a look at building a new water tower, which we need. And uh, two years ago, it was uh, the quote came in at four point five million dollars, roughly. And we go back out to um, place the order because there's only one company in Canada that makes these things, and it's nine million dollars. Yeah, uh, I, I appreciate your point, and and I understand it. But at the same time, uh, you do zoning. You allow certain types of, of housing uh, through municipal bylaws. And in that sense, uh, as I said, you just recently had a, uh, a, a council meeting where people were expressing great, great concern ab about a proposal. I'm asking you, when you look at the procedural bylaw, how is it helping you to deal with the complexity of the issues is it helping or is it, does it have an impact or is it just not that much related? You know what? No, to me, no. I mean, I, I operate on um, the rule or the, the thought that it, it's not the, the policies and the rules that get things done. It's common sense that get things done. Let me give you a success story related to housing. So we had a, um, a proposal put forward to uh, buy a developer to build a four-story apartment building and 36 townhouses uh, behind the independent, okay, on uh, Henderson Road. Not the greatest location, you know, in terms of residential, but, you know, we, we could change the zoning uh, from commercial to residential. We take a bit of a hit for taxes, but um, what we made as part of that deal was that, okay, Mr. Developer, these are all rentals, by the way, um, we want uh, five units, rent protected, at $1,500 a month for 15 years. And we got it. First time ever that's happened with a developer. So now the important thing isn't just the five houses that will be rent protected or townhouses, but now it sets the stage for the next developer that wants something, will want something out of them. And uh, so it's now we're in negotiating positions where we can start negotiating a bit. Now, the other thing we have to do is uh, and get our act together, you know, from a planning point of view, um, to um, bring in more developers, and it's very, very tough to get uh, qualified planners. I mean, everybody's scrambling for them, and that's what I mean by cleaning up our act. We 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 we've contracted where we can, um, but it's 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 a uh, process to uh, that we have to improve, and it's not easy. Not going to be an easy job to bring the people on board. Reflecting back on the changes to the procedural bylaw, how do you see any of these or all of these changes enhancing democracy in Port Hope? 
Well, we can agree upon the meeting time and uh, and meeting dates and uh, make it palatable to those that want to attend or, or watch, then it, 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 it's a win. But if we if we put obstacles in place because 16% of the population think we should do nine to five and 60% say, no, leave it as it is, or, you know, why are we messing with something that's already working? Then well, what are we really doing? Why are we shooting ourselves in the foot for change's sake? Doesn't make sense to me. Les Andrews, thank you so much for talking to me today. Rob, it's been a pleasure. That was Port Hope Councillor Les Andrews. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.